Good evening, everyone, and welcome. Um, my name is Kathleen McLean, and I help coordinate adult programs here at the Art Gallery of Ontario. And it's my pleasure to welcome you all to tonight's talk by Dietmar Elger. The AGO is very pleased to again have occasion to partner with the Goethe Institute Toronto. The Goethe Institute, as you know, has been bringing contemporary art and ideas to Canada for nearly 50 years. And I thank Sonia Grigoshevsky, Yuda Brendan-Mule, and uh, Hannah Day for helping to make tonight's talk by Dietmar Elger possible. And I look forward to our future collaborations. Dietmar Elger joins us from Dresden, where he is the director of the Gerhard Richter Archive and chief curator at the Gallery Neue Meister, Stadtliche Kunstsammlung in Dresden. He's the former curator for painting and sculpture at the Sprengel Museum in Hanover, and has organized numerous exhibitions on modern and contemporary art, and has written and edited their accompanying catalogs. His biography, Gerhard Richter, A Life in Painting, which we are selling just outside, uh, contributes immensely to our knowledge and understanding of Richter's work and the context that that work emerges from. So please join me in welcoming Dietmar Elker. Thank you very much. Um, I would like to thank the Art Gallery and the Goethe Institute for inviting me. And um, I would like to propose that we split this uh, evening in three or four parts. Um, uh, I would like to start with reading a very short portion from the book, which will be actually really short because my, uh, on one way, it's uh, uh, reading uh, nonfiction literature is uh, not so very interesting. And the other point is that my English normally gets uh, better by the days in the States or in Canada, which actually this is my first visit to Canada. Uh, but um, this I only arrived yesterday, so it would be more helpful for me if I would have stayed five more days. And um, my English gets better day by day. Then I would like to speak a little bit about my uh, relationship to uh, Gerd Richter and how I have met him and how this uh, proceeded to the actual uh, position that I uh, represent now. And um, I, at third, I would like to speak about the book, uh, but not read from the book, but tell about how the book came up and what the specific issues of this book are and how it divides from other books or catalogs from by Gerhard Richter and on his work. And fourth part is a uh, question and answer that will uh, finalize the evening. So By the summer of 1964, Richter was hard at work to fulfill the demands of a busy exhibition schedule. Gallerists who had taken notice of the young artist and contributed crucially to his career in the following art school years included Heiner Friedrich, René Bloch, Alfred Schmäler, and Rudolf Yearling. So Richter in that year left 
the academy in Düsseldorf and became a freelance artist. While Heiner Friedrich included Richter in a two-person show, it was Alfred Schmeler who gave the artist his first solo exhibition. Schmeler had already shown Konrad Luke, which was one of the close friends to Gerhard Richter, Konrad Luke's work in his gallery, and he opened the new Four Seasons with a group of paintings by Richter. Richter records his astonishment when, on opening evening, he received a surprising telegram. All the best for the most important exhibition in the history of German pop art. Oldenburg, Rosenquist, and Roy Lichtenstein. His bewilderment was, however, short-lived. He quickly realized the telegram was a prank by Luke, who, <laughs> whose high assessment of the work was nonetheless genuine. There's another reason the exhibition with Schmäler stands out in Richter's mind. After the opening, as celebrants gathered in a, in a bar, Richter sat with Luke and Sigmar Polke at a table separate from the gallerist and the collectors. By that point, his opinion of Schmäler was set. I couldn't stand him. He and the entire crowd had far too much of that Rhineland way about them. So Richter, who came from Dresden, which is the totally opposite part of Germany, was uh, never happy with this uh, mute of the Rhineland people and the, um, that, that specific type. He never get uh, very warm with that. This did not prevent the two men from working together. Richter could not afford to make a one-day event. Sorry. This did not prevent the two men from working together. Richter could not afford to make a total break from Düsseldorf's most important gallerist. Nevertheless, apart from this one-day, nevertheless, apart from a one-day event, he staged in connection with the homage a Schmäler in 1966. This was Richter's one and only solo show at Schmäler's gallery. Among the paintings shown were Teresa Andeska and Prinz Sturzer, which was featured on the invitation. Schmäler only managed to sell one painting, but it was to the prominent collectors Gustav Adolf and Stella Baron from Wuppertal, who bought secretary for 450 mark, about $750 today. The painting is now uh, as a loan in the museum in Dresden where I'm working. Of this amount, as Richter vividly remembers, he received just a third, along with a dressing down by Schmäler. Well, what do you think? This is a huge risk for me. How do I know what's going to become of you? You should be happy just to be part of such an important collection. At the same time, Richter knew that Smela had the capacity to generate serious money. He had sold the painting Couple by Roy Lichtenstein 
to Willi and Van Schneewet already for 12,000 D-Mark. So this is a short text I would like to read, which not really gives a total overview of the uh, book because it's uh, just a small anecdote and the book is uh, in completely in uh, about different types of work and it's not just a biography anecdote collection. So I have uh, met Gerhard Richter th just th already 30 years ago when I was uh, a student at the university in Hamburg studying art history. And we had a, a seminar where on contemporary art. And um, my topic was uh, on Gerhard Richter's paintings of the 60s. So at that time, I thought uh, it, uh, if you have the opportunity to write uh, your seminar work on a living artist, uh, which is not very usual in art history, uh, maybe I can make an interview with the artist. And uh, so I, I called him up in Düsseldorf and um, I was allowed to, to visit him. I conducted this interview that I still own, which I do not dare to listen to anymore, but nevertheless. And um, from that time on, I, I had a regular um, connection to him and I visited him during the next um, years, uh, always when I was in uh, Düsseldorf, which was about uh, two times a year. And when I finished university, um, I um, contacted him again because I wanted to do his uh, catalog resume. And uh, he said, okay, uh, come by. And uh, so we made an appointment. And when I came, four days later, uh, he made a proposal to hire me as his secretary. So I, I worked uh, nearly two years for him as his secretary and as the editor of the catalog resume that was published in 1986 uh, for a big retrospective show in Germany, Switzerland, and Austria. And uh, after that, I left him and uh, went to a museum first for three years in Dortmund. And then I was for more than 17 years in uh, Hannover at the Sprenger Museum, where I did a lot of uh, different exhibitions and returned to Richter beside of some visitors uh, in uh, 1996 uh, with a proposal for an exhibition when I was working for him as a secretary, he, he has once mentioned that he would like to show only his landscape paintings. So a show that only has his landscape paintings. So I remembered that and uh, uh, 15 years later, I, 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 I contacted him and said, uh, you have at that time said you would like to show landscapes in a, just uh, in one exhibition and uh, I would like to do that in Hanover with you. And uh, do you still want to do the landscape show? And then he said, no. And uh, so I was very depressed and, and um, uh, we were sitting there and for maybe one half hour more and we're talking about this and that. Uh, but at the end he said, okay, just uh, try it. So this exhibition came up in 1908 and this was my return to Gerhard Richter in some way 
in 19, in, in the year 2001, which was um, the year before his uh, 70th birthday, uh, he gave me a call and uh, proposed to write this book um, that uh, we are talking about now. So Gerhard Richter, A Life in Painting. So it was written in 2001, 2002. And as it was clear that there is the uh, retrospective show at the MoMA and coming out at the nearly the same time as a book, the book took a little bit longer then, and uh, it was sure that it has to be a book that is different to what the uh, retrospective would be. Um, the book was, the German version of the book was published in 2002 in fall, and I, I wrote, um, uh, on the book for 15 months, uh, part-time and evening time and vacation time uh, because I still had this, this job. And um, the, um, there was a second version then coming out before the English version finally uh, came out this year that uh, has uh, some additions and uh, a new chapter at the end that includes also the cathedral window in Cologne and also the new September painting that uh, Gerhard did uh, some years ago. So we included that and we also included this uh, additional chapter in the American version of the book that is uh, published now and we are at the moment waiting for the French version. And both translations took much, much longer than, than writing it. So uh, what was really surprising was that uh, the fact that it uh, took um, three times as long translating and uh, editing the book in the foreign languages than it took in, uh, in the German version. And uh, so if I would have known from the beginning when the bought the English version like in 2004 or 2003 even, that it took nearly 10 years until it came out, it would be extremely frustrating, but uh, now we have the book, finally. So the idea was to have it uh, published for the 17th birthday, and now we are looking uh, forward to his 80th birthday already, which will be in 2012, and there will be uh, uh, instead of the Museum of Modern Art retrospective, will be a new European sh retrospective show in London, Berlin, and uh, Paris. The book in Germany was called uh, Gerhard Richter Painter, and the English version, uh, Gerhard Richter Alive in Painting, and both uh, indicate the specific point that was important for, for me, that is uh, that this book is not only a, a theoretical book and uh, which is like most of the catalog texts are, but that this book combines several specific issues and contact uh, and um, shows uh, the uh, artist from a broader range. So what the idea was, and this was something that I was very surprised about because uh, when you read all the other texts and when you read uh, Gerhard's uh, most favorite uh, author, uh, Benjamin Buklo, the book that uh, you see here is something totally different and the approach uh, to his work is totally different. 
So it's, it's not just about his work, it's also about his biography, it's about uh, um, specific works, it's about the reception of his works, so we, if you go through the, all the years, uh, there are always um, remarks and quotes that are found in, the, uh, in, in literature, in reviews, and that show a very nice um, history, how his work was responded to. And um, for me, when, I, when, when he contacted me, it was very surprising that he would agree to a book like this. I always had the idea to, to write something like this, but would have never asked him because I would never have thought that he would agree to a book that uh, shows his work in context to his life. The title of both books, or both versions, the German and the English, uh, explain this a little bit because uh, painter means it's, that's not a strong biography, but that it shows his life or his person as a painter. So we do not uh, speak about the private person, but we speak about the professional person. So biography parts in this book are mostly connected to his professional life. There are some information that you cannot prevent to give, but mostly information on his biography are given in some kind of context to his work, and very often also works are interpreted uh, through the connection to his personal work, uh, personal life. So I tried very often to bring interpretations of works in relationship to his uh, personal life. Uh, a fourth point in this uh, book, which was very interesting to me and uh, I, I favored a lot, was the uh, art market history. We uh, have the very curious and, uh, situation here that uh, we have an artist who was extremely low-priced and was extremely cheap with his work and always wanted to be cheap, uh, even if you, when you read about uh, actual prizes, you maybe cannot believe it. But uh, he was always trying to sell sheep. But uh, with this strategy, strategy, uh, became the one of the most uh, important living artists, and um, he, in a, in a, there's a quote in the book from an interview that I conducted with him, uh, where he said, "I preferred to make the paintings less expensive, so as to sell them, because I somehow hungered so much for recognition that I was willing to let the best paintings." leaves the studio immediately. And this was actually his um, strategy and uh, was also the, the problem in the, in, the, in the late 80s that a lot of paintings on the uh, primary market were priced only half of the price that they had on the secondary market 
like weeks after the exhibition. So the problem uh, occurred that uh, people who bought in the gallery uh, in uh, directly from the exhibition, brought it on the market in auction houses or sold it to galleries uh, for double the price and earned more in the paintings than the artist earned and the gallery earned uh, together. So this gap has been closed now a little bit uh, during the last years, but nevertheless, uh, you, you can still be happy to get something directly in the gallery. Um, the book, uh, so I conducted a lot of interviews with him, so I, I uh, spoke with him uh, for more than 20 hours, and we went through all his uh, life and his career, and I collected a lot of information from that that I used for this book, and I was very fortunate that I could ask him for a lot of things and could ask him for a lot of information that I can use then in, in, in this book. And uh, I also spoke with some other people uh, that were related to him, like Kaspar Koenig or some other uh, gallerist he worked with and uh, some other artists that were close to him in the 60s, like Günther Uecker. And uh, we see, um, oh, I've left out some images, but we see portrait. And this is, uh, Gerd Richter on the right and uh, Günter Uecker, uh, who um, had his studio next to Gerhard's studio in the 60s. And they, this is in an exhibition they had together in Baden-Baden. So the information, uh, it was very important to do this book with a lot of fact information. So the book is very much fact-driven in its interpretation of works and uh, in, has a lot of information on uh, uh, his biography also and his uh, relationship to specific works and uh, on his early years in Dresden that were uh, quite mysterious before and are now uh, very much closely, uh, very much more uh, deeper, viewed in, the, in this book, and um, since I'm there as a, as a director of the archive, we still come up with more and more information that could be included in uh, later editions of the book. Um, This is uh, an image that shows him actually in, in, the, in the 50s in Dresden with, uh, at home with his works that he was uh, doing. This was like a mix of a living room and a studio that he had in Dresden. The book is also about his uh, friendship with other artists like here with uh, Sigmar Polke and Konrad Luke. Konrad Luke later became his uh, gallerist, Konrad Fischer. So Luke was the name of uh, Konrad uh, Luke's mother. And uh, when he became a gallerist, he uh, changed his name to Konrad Fischer. And this uh, group was very important to Gerhard Richter in working together and to developing something new and also to be a group 
that uh, protected themselves from, from others and supported each other by, um, because they were um, surrounded by uh, other artists and other groups uh, that were um, proponents to them, and so they had to stay together. So, and uh, there's another quote I would like to give. I remember, Richter says, how close this friendship was, but also how tough it sometimes was. I didn't realize it at the time. For us, it was just the natural way of dealing with each other. In retrospect, I'm amazed it was just so brutal. And Richter also uh, mentioned uh, to me uh, this um, poster for an exhibition in 1964 in, at the Galerie Pandas in Wuppertal, where they free together had an exhibition and he um, said oh you can see from this image that uh, at that point he was uh, closer to Polk and they have some problems with Conrad Luke because there is this gap between Richter and Luke uh, in while at the other side Polk and Richter uh, are uh, touching each other there's this gap, so you see that there's a kind of there was a kind of problem between the, these people uh, or the two with Conrad Luke at the moment when they took the photograph. Um, I've looked at a lot of uh, information uh, for this book in old reviews just to see how he was uh, uh, reviewed uh, at uh, specific points of his career. So when we look at uh, the reviews today, they are, uh, he is highly regarded and you can sometimes uh, are really surprised in what the connection was, are that were made in the 70s or in the 60s when the reviews were very unsure if he is really important or not or how his relationship was to other artists or how he was reviewed in the uh, United States when he has his first solo exhibition here. So for an exhibition that he had uh, together with Luke and Polke and there was another artist, um, uh, Kuttner, it was for a short time, it was a group of four, Kuttner left and they dropped him out as Richter said because he was not fitting to, to the other ones, because his, uh, he was doing some kind of art that was not the same as a German pop-related uh, art that Richter and Luke were, uh, and Polke were doing. So Kuttner's art was more uh, uh, zero art and optical art, so they uh, uh, dropped him out of their group and only exhibited uh, as a group of three at that time then. So when they had this exhibition that they was self-organized in, in a shop in 1963, there was a review in a Düsseldorf newspaper that uh, said, uh, pop art, the latest race from America has found its way to Düsseldorf and created an exhibition forum for itself because, quote, after all, something has to be happened as a group of young enthusiasts ensures as they knit this last stitch. What the intended purpose was could not exactly be determined from the smoke-clouded conversations, but the exhibitors 
definitively want to shock. Looking at things on show, one cannot help but see that the distance between these objects and art is a great one. And when he had his uh, first solo show in New York in 1973 by a German gallery, uh, Gallery Onash, who opened a space in New York, which Richter never liked because he wanted to be brought to America, not by a German uh, gallery, but wanted to pick it up uh, by an American gallery. But the situation was that uh, Onash owned a lot of paintings and could have made the exhibition also without Richter's support. And then he decided, okay, if he makes the exhibition anyway, it's better I uh, give some additional paintings uh, so it's at least a good show. And uh, the magazine Art Forum wrote on this show, the nature of Richter's hit and run approach to already existing styles of painting lack the conviction of the painting by artists more deeply committed to these modes. The 72 gray paintings particularly with a single color matte and gloss infected surface surfaces just them too close and in this case too late to the whole Klein, Marden, Ryman minimalist era to have any particular importance individually. Richter was always trying to, um, and he started with that very early to also shape the uh, response and the reviews uh, to his work. And already in 1964, he wrote in a letter to Heiner Friedrich, which was his uh, gallerist in uh, Munich, and gave him the first uh, official gallery show with another German artist together, so it was a two-person show. And in this letter to Heiner Friedrich, he wrote, by the way, we need to tread more lightly on the publicity front. The name Richter should appear only infrequently. So he, very early on, he make up his mind about how he is reviewed in the public and at this point already had the idea or the um, thought that he's already mentioned in public too often. So when they had a, a group show with Polke and Luke together one year later in 1965, he again wrote to Heiner Friedrich about this event and said, I really don't want to do this because we free do not have such a fixed program and unified appearance. I would prefer a solo exhibition. I, in my interviews with uh, Richter, I have very often asked him about uh, relationships to these other artists, how the uh, friendship developed with Luke and with Polke. Uh, with Polke, he split up uh, in the early 70s, and also especially with um, Blinky Palermo, who he was very close with, and has a very uh, specific relationship. Our personalities, Richter said, were actually quite different but we always agreed in our judgments. 
because we were so different, we didn't compete with each other. I always appreciated the way he could create something that seemed so silent, that was all foreign to me. So the possibility that his relationship to Palermo was especially very close over very much years until uh, Palermo died very early in, I guess, 77, was this situation that they were in some way separated from other artists, but also separated in between so that there was not this concurrence uh, that he had with Luke and Polk in the early 60s. Um, part of this uh, book also is the story behind a lot of works and the story behind titles. So like abstract works, like, uh, oh, this is uh, Blinky Palermo, and uh, the, st the story behind titles, where how Richter shows titles, especially for um, abstract works that mostly are titled uh, abstract painting with a number, but sometimes also have titles, like, like this one, which is, uh, has a title Static, um, and the title derives from uh, a band name by the musician Glenn Branca, and his band uh, was titled uh, Static, and Richter met Branca in the late 70s through his uh, uh, wife at that time, Isa Gensken. There are also a lot of stories behind uh, paintings that are related to his uh, personal life and a lot of paintings that on the first view does not have any personal um, implications or uh, bio biographical implications. Uh, it turns out that they have, um, are very much related to uh, his, uh, his life. So this one uh, is um, a painting, on the right side is a painting by Gerd Richter Eisberg um, that he did in uh, early 80s, but uh, the source image was done in the early 70s. And um, Richter traveled to um, Groenland, uh, where he took a lot of photographs and later painted some of these photographs. And the story behind it derives from uh, the um, source image um, by Caspar David Friedrich, uh, a painting that Richter uh, knew since he was uh, teaching in, at the university or at the academy in Hamburg, where the painting is in the museum's collection. And uh, when some years later he traveled to Groenland, he wanted to look for this, to reinvent or re to find this uh, situation that Caspar uh, David Friedrich has painted. So he, he took on this trip for a week or so and uh, took a lot of photographs that he later turned into paintings and into a book. The book is called Ice and there is a new version of this Ice book in, in, in work at the moment. Rita says, the project was also an excuse for getting away. Trouble in my marriage was reaching a climax. Going into the eyes could interpretate it as longing for a place where one feels safe, just so long as there is no life, 
only eyes. So this, this painting, which is called Mother and Daughter B Point, is a photograph uh, or painting after a uh, um, um, photograph in a magazine by uh, the um, Fr French uh, actress uh, Brigitte Bardot together with her mother. And Richter painted this photograph in the mid-60s. And also has, for this uh, image has a very personal explanation when asked after um, the story behind uh, this painting and behind other paintings. If one, he said uh, in the interviews, if one wants to read that painting as having an autobiographical reference, then the young woman is Emma, who looked a little bit like Bardot, the popular, popular idol of the time. So Emma was Gerd Richter's first wife that he was married with during this uh, period. What was also interesting for me was uh, asking him for works that he especially liked or liked not, and what the reasons would have been that he liked one painting more or over another painting, especially with works that are very much re related to each other because they are variations of one and the same image and uh, are variations maybe of abstract works like uh, this uh, series of in total five works uh, of uh, red, blue, and yellow paintings uh, that we see here. And so um, everybody who's seen these uh, two paintings might uh, prefer one over the other. But uh, it was interesting for me to, to know what, if Richter has his own opinion, if he likes one more than the other, and if so, why he likes one more than the other. So for him, the left one was, as he said, the best. That's the best. And the, the right one, he uh, described as too delicious. So uh, in this whole series of five works, these were stand out in some way. The one as the best, one as the least good one, and the most delicious one. So he had it preferred to have it more uh, tough and not so elegant or delicious or uh, de decorative. The same is with a, a series of works that he did on uh, Gilbert and George, who asked him for um, uh, portraits uh, that he should pay, uh, paint from them. And he refused to, to do this uh, for a long time. But finally, they convicted him. And he, he uh, agreed to, to do this series of um, uh, paintings, and um, we see Richter here in front of uh, uh, two uh, portraits, and the, the paintings were painted after photographs that were um, where several images were laid over each other, so that it looks very strange and very much like, uh, as Richter also said in this quote, like Francis Bacon. 
The difficulty is that it looks so much like a trick, not to mention the paintings were also very manieristic, both of the small portraits end up looking like the wear by Francis Bacon. And he refers to these two. Uh, in total, he, this is not his favorite group of works, but uh, there is one that he likes because it's uh, the most schematic painting, which is the left one, where I only have a, a small uh, black and white image. And there's the other one that is as he said, too accomplished, uh, which is uh, very, usually you would say this is the best one of the series, and uh, I w it was also always my favorite one, and because it's the overlaying is uh, very uh, well done and uh, very well composed, and uh, it looks like uh, it's uh, very classical, but this is the one he, um, likes at least. Construction is an uh, abstract painting. When he started with this series of abstract works in 1976, and this is also from 1976, this was the first work he did. It's two meter 50 by three meter, so it's a very huge size. And uh, he started with a series after painting all gray works and then he did something totally different, so compositional, colorful, distorted, and this was the first one he did. And uh, he said uh, that it's, um, he was, never was really happy with his painting because it was uh, too much just at the beginning. And uh, he said it's, it's too constructed all the other works later also called abstract sketch or abstract painting. So this is called construction, which uh, refers to this uh, type of uh, work that he said that it's too constructed and too much thought out. And uh, this is the only one at that time that he did in this size. After doing this painting, he returned to very small ones. So he started anew and uh, tried to work on very large, small size works that are, have size like this or that, so in um, like 40 by 30 centimeter or something like that, and uh, to, to have a new start because this one was, uh, he wanted too much at the beginning already, so he returned to it and was not happy with his work. But uh, as it sometimes is, so I, I quoted him uh, in this book, and the collector who owns the work always blamed me for uh, not liking his painting or writing something uh, not very fortunate about this painting. Uh, so this is the old story with the, uh, somebody who uh, brings a message and uh, will, will be blamed for the message. Richter and we also, um, you find several um, uh, situations in the book where things like this are um, discussed. Uh, Richter used several techniques or strategies uh, when he started with new series of works and uh, 
try to uh, was thinking about how to include these series in in his work. So the, one of these series is a, a group of in total five paintings. It's the Annunciation after Tizian, Tiziano. You say Tiziano, Tizian. And uh, this was something uh, that he did after he had this uh, uh, one-man show at the Biennial in Venice. And in 73, he painted this series of five works after this uh, classical uh, art historical painting. So at that point, um, the situation was quite um, different or as it is, is it, it's still a painting and an image that you normally do not paint when you are an avant-garde artist and exhibit in an avant-garde context. So for Richter, he has to think about how to um, 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 yeah, I need a rechtfertigen Thanks to justify that he paints these, this this image. So he he said to himself, "Okay, I paint this just for myself, not as an official work, just for home, for my private apartment. It's just a private work. It's not part of my official work." And this makes it possible for him to paint an image like that. And he says. It's, it's, in some way, it's a lie because I, I, I had uh, five canvases already ready and I wanted to paint it five times and I could never hang it in my apartment. But in some way, it helped him to deal with an image like this and to, to, to paint an image like this. And uh, otherwise, it would not have been possible with the with the background idea that this is for an exhibition, it would never been possible to paint something uh, such a, a sentimental and art historical reference painting um, as part of his uh, work after he did all these other works. Mother and Child that he did in the mid 90s is, is, is it's the same uh, or a similar uh, problem. It's a very sentimental series of eight paintings, and it's very uh, delicate, and it's very personal and very private. It shows his third wife with his newborn child from the mid-90s. And here he did something different. Here, when he first exhibited these works, he had a show in Nîmes, which is in the south of France. So he. Uh, prim these paintings premiered in Nîmes in the south of France. So for Richter, far away from the centers of the art scene. So he, he had the idea that when he shows them for the first time, not in like London or New York or in, in Berlin, then they are like, it's, they're hidden away in some way and uh, nobody maybe notice it, and he can just present them, but it's not so important, and it's uh, in some way um, more private, maybe. But in, in this case, uh, there's this German news magazine, Der Spiegel, which is the same as Time or Newsweek in, in, in the States, and there was a free 
page coverage on these paintings even before the exhibition started. So it was, uh, it was a kind of uh, lie to himself. He lied to himself when he tried to hide them in some way away. He did the same with uh, texts that he wrote down in a kind of uh, diary. So he wrote diaries in the 80s and published these texts in a, in a catalog that he, for an exhibition that he had in, uh, in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam. So he thought, okay, if I publish them there, nobody can read it, nobody notices in Germany, and nobody will recognize or read these texts. And uh, also this was, uh, ridiculous because everybody had the book and I guess it was also not only in uh, in Netherlands it was also in German printed so but for him it's 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 a kind of help to bring these uh, works in public and uh, to premiere these works and um, to 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 help himself to make these kind of works public So when the book was finished, and uh, so uh, first it was the idea was I write uh, one chapter, he reads it, and then approves it or not. And uh, but it was very difficult to gather material and then write one chapter. And uh, so so I said, okay, I write the whole book, and then he can read it and approve it. This was also conditioned by the publisher, and the book would have never been written or published without his approval. So it was very important that uh, the artist reads through the book and uh, says that it is okay. And uh, the only thing I did was there is a chapter on the October cycle. So I left that out because I thought if he throws away the whole book, at least I, I saved, uh, I, I've left out this uh, difficult chapter. And uh, at the end, it turned out it was much more difficult to write this chapter after everything was done, and then you have to start again. So I gave this uh, book to him on a Friday, um, and so the first half of it, and then I went to, to visit a friend, and we sat with uh, the, the, um, the artist at uh, Fishley and Weiss at the museum, and uh, after just two hours or so, he called and said that it's okay. So uh, I was uh, extremely relieved. There are only three points that he uh, noticed and that he, where he wanted to have changes. And uh, there I, we rechanged it uh, in, the, um, in the English edition now. So one was that uh, the information that his father, which that whom we see here at the image, is not his real father. So he never noticed, have known this, but only knew about it in the late 90s or so. It was mentioned in the article that the New York Times magazine wrote on him for the, um, op when the exhibition opened at the, at the MoMA. So it was in this article, and, uh, but he does not want to have it in the book. And this is similar to these other strategies because he thought, okay, the, the article, it's, it's in New York Times Magazine, so it's just one week, and then nobody knows it anymore. And, but the book is, is for a longer time, so he wanted to 
have this uh, um, uh, stretched out of, of the book. And the, another s story he does not want to have uh, in, in the book, and it's a little bit, it's in, but it's a little bit hidden now, is the story of this painting, Motorboat. So the painting was in an exhibition in 65 in uh, Zurich at the City Gallery, which is a gallery uh, Bruno Bischofsberger today. And uh, the museum in Basel bought the painting. And, but uh, as the painting was in uh, Italy before, and then it was uh, unrolled, and uh, uh, it was uh, in a bad condition. So it was decided that the painting went back to the studio, and Richter will repair it a little bit. But uh, working on it, it got worse and worse. So he finally decided to paint a new one. And the first version, which is, a, is, is in a bad condition, um, was he kept this in his studio and gave the second version to the museum. And this was more than 40 years ago, but he still was uh, anxious that they might uh, request the, the original version. So he does not want it to have this too, too, too much uh, public. And uh, there was a third thing that um, uh, is uh, very typical for his personality. Uh, so it's already 10 years, nearly 10 years ago now since, since then. So I, I guess I, uh, I say this now, I, maybe first time in public. So the problem was he got his son that we saw on these uh, paintings was born in January and he married his wife in February. So in all catalogs and in all biographies the, the, the information is turned around. So it's first the marriage and then the child born. So he does not want to have the information published that his child was born before they got married. And this says a lot about Richter's personality. And uh, so we also changed that. So now uh, you, when you read it, you can't uh, you find this uh, information in the right. Uh, it's not really clear how, the, how it uh, came up uh, in the direction of marriage and born child. So these were the only three things that he actually uh, wanted to have changed in the book. And uh, at the end, uh, none of this was really serious, as I turned out. So thank you very much. This is uh, my information I would like to give to you on the book. And, um, and uh, I uh, would like to, uh, what I can say now is, um, what I would like to add maybe is uh, I'm now conducting this uh, um, Gerhard Richter archive since 2006 in, in Dresden and um, one, one, the big project we are working on is a catalog resume project. It's a five volume catalog resume. The first volume will come out um, next year. And what I always said uh, to uh, Gerhard Richter is that uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a career uh, step for me from his secretary and doing the catalog resume in 84 to his uh, archivist and doing the catalog resume again. So 
uh, I'm not sure if uh, I really made a big career. <laughs> so thank you very much. Thank you, Dietmar. Um, I'm sure there are questions in the audience, and I'd just like you to use this microphone if, if you have one. I'll, I'll bring it to you. I'd like to ask about the place of artists' biography in German art historical and art critical writing. Um, there's a big difference between different countries. Um, yes. The Anglo-Saxon world loves biographies. The French detest them. I'm not sure what... I, th I suspect that the Germans rather like biographies of great men. And I'd particularly like to ask you um, whether you and Benjamin Buchlo have discussed the biography and whether you can see eye to eye about it. Okay. Um, there are not so many biographies in Germany on artists. And I guess the German art writing hates biographies. And I'm sure that it's more liked in, uh, in the uh, Anglo-American uh, area. And that it's, uh, I hope for that it's like that. And um, this is, uh, the book is not really a biography. So it's a, a mix of biography and uh, text on work, so um, the few reviews I already read uh, that were in English on the English edition of the book always said that it's uh, not really biographical, the miss really biographical information on his relationship to his family or so that I never wanted to, to, to give. It's also, you, you speak about an artist who still lives, so it's, it's something different than when you speak write a biography of somebody who's dead for 100 years or so you can be write something um, can be maybe more critical even it's 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 very uh, um, cautious Did you say that Would you say cautious cautious also uh, zurückhaltend Discreet, that's the right word. This is also the word Richter used. And I think this is the only way it could have been done. And um, this is also something he, he said, I, I'm always in, in the relationship to him. Ah, so this is the, the, my fortunate uh, that I'm, I'm discreet enough to, to write a a kind of biography on him. I have not spoken to Benjamin Buckler about this book. He has never said anything to me, I guess, about the book. Uh, I, I don't think he likes it. It's not his type of uh, approach to the art. And uh, But there are other people, tough theorists, who love the book. And I was very surprised uh, when uh, somebody like Birgit Pelzer, uh, who I always have difficult to just understand her text, uh, said uh, that she loves the book. So, um, yeah? Ah, yes. So it was for me, or for, for the book, it was also important to write something that is different to all the other texts or catalogs. So to add something to that. And it was also important to 
provide a lot of information that can be used by other people for their writings. So to took the chance to that I have the access to all the material in the studio and to have the chance to talk to him about for the book and then to provide this material uh, for um, other people who write on Gerhard Richter. Yeah, there was an... Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about um, the process of gathering the information. Uh, because the picture you give is that you had 20 hours, which seems very little, really, uh, for the volume, the caliber of the work that you published. So my fantasy is that you extracted a lot of information more informally, more through conversations, more through going to places, or was it all very structured as an interview? Uh, did you, for example, did you uh, have conversations whilst he was working? Uh, if you could give us a, a, an idea of your data gathering uh, in the less formal component uh, rather than just the interviews, or was it just strictly interviews focused on gathering information okay. for the book? Um, it's, uh, so I, I worked for him uh, for nearly two years in uh, 84, 85. So at that time, I saw him working also. And um, but it's very difficult to be present while he works. So usually the door is closed then, or he works in the evening hours or on the weekends when the assistants or the secretary is gone. And um, so these interviews are a part of it. So I have read um, maybe not all, but uh, most of the literature that I could get hold on uh, on Gerhard Richter and was working through that material. Um, I did these interviews where I mostly asked specific questions. So how was that? How was that? How this came up? Uh, and uh, it was never done like an interview. You cannot uh, publish this. This is not an interview that you can publish. It's just to have information and tear this out of uh, the uh, the text. And the third part was um, uh, archival material, like these references uh, in newspapers on Gerhard Richter uh, and uh, uh, archival material that he had in his studio, some letters, uh, unpublished letters, then uh, correspondence with the galleries, which are extremely ex interesting for the 60s. So later they become very professional and are mostly about shipping works and prizes and listing and uh, things like that and uh, invoices. But in the 60s they are also filled with uh, ideas and information and really uh, there's a really correspondence with, with people. And that is, uh, was extremely important and is uh, at very often, at very much places uh, included in this um, text. And uh, this is also something I would like to work on for, uh, for another kind of book on his um, art market career, uh, in, mostly in the 60s between, um, so the, the, the the two parts are the documenter, the first documenter he visited in 59 while he was still in Dresden, and the 
s documenta 72 where he exhibited for the first time and in the same time he had the show in uh, venice so these two points and his career in between which is extremely ex interesting and uh, there's a lot of material where you can follow these uh, development also thanks um when um gerhard richter came out of school um, did he go straight into, as an artist, uh, selling his work? You say that he didn't charge very much. I have two questions, actually. Um, so when he came out of school, was he going straight into art, or did he have to make a living at something else? Or uh, um So school is uh, really school, not art school. No. Uh, art school? He art came school? Out, did he go to art school? Twice. Okay, yes. Uh, I don't know much about his past. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the second question is, is that how did galleries deal with his, uh, how was his relationship with galleries uh, owing to the fact that he uh, was always doing different types of work and so they're not, therefore not predictable? Okay. Um, so he, he, as I said, he, he went to art school twice. Once was in, uh, in Dresden during uh, the time he lived in the German Democratic Republic where he was quite fortunate. He had a stipend after uh, um, academy time for three more years, so he had some kind of money, and he was quite um, professional in wall painting. So he was... Um, um, he started wall painting, and he had several commissions also the time after. So he made a living uh, during this time at the German Democratic Republic, but nevertheless left in 1961 uh, East Germany and went to, Dres to Düsseldorf, where he studied again between 61 and 64. And uh, 64 in, in summer, it started in summer, and it started very quickly, I would say, because uh, actually he had... Uh, he was very desperate in, in, in April or May even uh, when he um, finished uh, uh, his um, academy time in uh, Düsseldorf, but then got an extension for his uh, stipend for one more year and for two more semesters. But in summer, it started very quickly that he got uh, recognized as an artist and he had the show with uh, Friedrich and Friedrich also bought a lot of works, so he had some kind of income while he sold a little bit, but he also bought uh, works. So he, he, Richter sold more than he actually went to get to collectors. And um, then he had a show with Schmäler, who does not sell very much. He's only sold this one painting where Richter does not earn very much. But uh, Smela had the idea with doing uh, commission portraits. So Richter painted several commission portraits uh, in 64, even the next years, like 67, 6. And, but this was an, uh, part of his income also, these commissions. And then he had a show with René Bloch, who just opened his gallery in that year in Berlin, and he had a show at the gallery Panas, which was quite, which was a show with two other artists, Polka and Luke, but was very large. So he showed more painting in that three-person show than in any other 
exhibition during these, this year. And then it went on quite well, I would say. Richter is still complaining about that time, so and says, "Yeah, let's go, go, does not go went very well." And also in the letter, he's complaining. But on the other side, I would say it couldn't be that bad. Yeah, he had side jobs also, so he was doing um, jobs for money. So he earned some money from that period. His wife worked, and so uh, it. It it went um, so la la, so. But there there was always coming in some some money, and then later in '67 he had a contract with Heiner Friedrich, so where he had to deliver a, a specific amount of works each year and get a, a fixed uh, uh, monthly income for two years. No, surprisingly, not. I I was never sure, and have have. Um, either not asked him, at least I do not know it, how the impression was when after um, these uh, photographic uh, images like Helga Matur, that is also here in the uh, collection, he had a show with Heiner Frittig with all color field paintings. Uh, let's see, go back. Far back, this. And so in the first show, he had these photographic images after uh, photos from illustrated magazines or from private, mag uh, private images from his photo album. Uh, and then the, the next show, two years later, paintings looked like that. And it must, must have been a big, big surprise for the gallerist who is confronted now with these paintings and has to sell these type of paintings now, which is surely much more difficult than with the photographic, photorealistic paintings, and also for the audience. But um, I, I do not really have information how this was reviewed. Re re Maybe not so surprisingly as we think now. It was probably more accepted than we think think now that it is a break in his work or so. And it was a first break also. You, you do not know at that point how it will go on. Now we know how he, much he changed his work and go back and forth. And, uh, but at that point, it was a total break after two years doing something. And it must be a big surprise for people who saw it at the studio also. No, but I guess I know that Konrad Luke loved it and was a first uh, uh, supporter and supportive to this works because also for Richter it was, he was surely not sure if what he is doing now, if this is something, if this is okay, if you can do it or so. And then it's important how you get, how the first reaction is by friends and fellow artists who see it and what they, how they respond. And if they would have said terrible and forget it, then he may have forgotten it. Um, in, in your book, do you deal with Richter or does Richter speak of his relationship with artists outside Germany? I think so far this evening you've mentioned specifically the uh, fellow German artists. So. 
It's um, more about the fellow German artists, so artists he was close with, or it's also about the, his relationship to Beuys that was quite critical. Um, that it's not so much about other... He had some friends or some artists he estimates uh, or highly re estimates, um, like uh, um, Klaus Oldenburg and um, some other artists, and he's a, a little bit... Uh, with Warhol, it's, uh, this, it's not so clear. But uh, later, the situation is that the artist is more and more... Uh, fixed uh, and interested in itself in himself so relationship to other artists became less important so they are important at the beginning the first 10 years i would say maybe and then you are concentrating more and more on your own and what you are doing so in the 80s 90s there's not so much um, other artists he is really cooperating with or has close contact. There are some students, there are two students that he had that he is close, still close with, and uh, this is uh, Thomas Struth, the photographer who studied with him, and Thomas Schütte, the sculptor. That be both became friends. Thank you. Um, you'd mentioned uh, earlier the October cycle and how you had not uh, included a chapter on that in the book when you sent it off for review. Can you just comment further on that? And is there anything you can do to expand about his work? With the, uh, it's with in. The yeah, yes. it's okay. in, but I, I wrote it uh, later. So when I gave the book to Gerhard, I thought that it's, uh, uh, if he does not like it, I, I have not worked on this difficult chapter. So I left it out first. But after the book was okay, I had to, to write the, the chapter later which became especially problematic because you're finished with writing the book and then you have to start again. That was a problem. The question is, why did you think it was a difficult ah, chapter? Well, it's a, yeah. Um, uh, there's, there's some, uh, there was so much written already on, 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 this, uh, on these works that um, from that point it was difficult and the, the, uh, the clue to the paintings I, I'm giving is also a personal one. So I'm, uh, there is some notes that Richter made that uh, he was very much uh, influenced by his relationship to um, Benjamin Booklow and to his wife, Isa Genskin at that time, who were very opponing to him ab about this situation. And uh, so he, um, from this uh, conflict situation between him and the two others, this was a kind of uh, initial to, to, to uh, start to work on these paintings and to uh, try to find some kind of answer maybe to these uh, questions. Uh, this is more a question directed towards you. Um, which uh, of Richter's uh, works uh, is your favorite, um, given you've seen 
a number of sort of paintings developed from concept to finished piece. Oh. Uh, it's unfortunately not one of the ones we are uh, where I have photographs now with me, so there are several favorite things. So these uh, paintings that he uh, did on on the iceberg, there's there's one of these is one of my favorites, but not the one I, sh I was showing. And uh, there's a small landscape uh, with a with a barn that he did, which is very classical and very composed and so this is uh, also one of my favorites and um, I there's a series that I, I always loved and that has uh, some kind of uh, biographical reference uh, for my life uh, where also one is uh, here in the um, art gallery that he did in the late 70s where he had uh, these abstract structures that he smoothly painted like photographs and there's one, one is here from 1978 or 1977. And this series I always loved very much. I, I bought the catalog that uh, illustrates the whole series that was exhibited in Eindhoven and in London at the time when I went to Hamburg to, to study art history. So this was one of my early books that I bought there in Hamburg. And it, uh, I had it with me the whole time why I was a student in Hamburg, and I was always looking at these fascinating uh, abstract landscapes. And um, so this was something that uh, I, I, I'm deeply related to. And uh, it's a series, on the other hand, that is not uh, one of Gerhard's favorite series. So, um, but nevertheless, I stay to them. What is Richter's reputation in Germany? Has anybody attempted to challenge his reputation the way Peter Berger did with Picasso? Um, so he, it's, uh, I'm quite sure he's the, so I have to defend him always, but I, I would say he's the most important living German artist and he's very popular. He's, he will not be recognized on the street, but uh, the, uh, the cathedral window is a huge success, and uh, exhibitions are crowded always. So he's, uh, he followed uh, Joseph Beuys, who was at least the most uh, prominent German artist. And uh, I would say Richter is known even to persons who have nothing to do with the artwork, and even these people know at least the name, even if they don't recognize him or if they not instantly recognize a painting by him. But Richter is uh, the most important uh, living German artist, surely. <laughs> but has anyone attempted to, to challenge or undermine his reputation and pick apart his career and uh, I don't know exactly what that means, um, the question. Has, there, there's, has there's a gap to the next most important German artist. I guess the question, or has anyone tried to be critical of his career? Oh, in okay. Um, there some, sometimes there's, a, there's some criticism, and, but not very much, actually. 
So um, it's it's only sometimes one critic and with a, with a new series or some new work or so. But in in general, he's highly regarded, and uh, sometimes it's even uh, surprising how uh, positively the work is uh, reviewed. You've uh, talked about the fact that this really isn't a biography, and you've talked about being discreet, um, and obviously you've known Gerhard Richter for most of your life, and he's 80, and I wouldn't want to, I wish him 20, 30 more years, whatever, but I wonder whether you think to yourself that at some point, perhaps you could write another book that would really be the biography. Have you thought about that? Something that would be really personal. Well, what, what I, I, I don't know if if, if would be, uh, I, I don't think I, I could, would, would write a, a book that is more uh, like a, a, a more a critical uh, revenge or something like that. Uh, something I re recognize when I read the book, which is not what, what, what you are asking, but uh, is that um, a lot of information are very short in the book. So when, when you write it, yeah, you sit there eight hours, and then you have two pages, and when you read through, you're through like in one, one minute. So then you're surprised when you read it that, uh, the, that there's just the information is just so short on this painting or on this specific topic or so. So I was mostly surprised that a lot of things are dealt with uh, very shortly because when I was write, writing it, it, it took me days sometimes. <laughs> so, uh, so on the other hand, I think there is enough information to, to one time turn it into a two-volume uh, book that, that's my goal, yeah, to, to, uh, to turn it into a two-volume book. Okay. I think we have time for one last question. Uh, he's, uh, at the moment, he, he did the show at Marion Goodman's gallery, and so at that point, then all the works were out of the studio and the studio was empty, and at the moment he's doing a new series of uh, paintings behind glass that he's doing for the reopening of the museum in Dresden, uh, which will be in June. He will have two spaces in Dresden. One will be with paintings, uh, and the other one will show this series of behind glass paintings, which will have uh, about maybe 100 pans of glass and will go once around the, the whole space and one pan is about uh, 50 by 30 centimeter. Um, so like, like this and will be grouped in, uh, in, in pairings. So this is uh, where he's actually at the moment working on. Abstract ones, yeah. Good last question. Thank you very much.